Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the No Block, No Rock podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Followed by one of your other hosts, Mike Delaware. Writer slash producer, Eric McMorrow. Well, what's the whole purpose of this podcast? Well, we're going to talk about Husker football. And some of you might be wondering, why do we call it the No Block, No Rock podcast? Does anyone want to shed light on this? Well, I think it's just a, a just a simple jab at your boy Scott Frost. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a jab. I mean, I first heard of heard of that saying back in 2018 with Mr. Troy Walters. Oh yeah, Troy Walters. Where's he he had such a great career here. Where's he at? Uh, he's the assistant wide receivers coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. Is that true? Yeah, he's like the assistant to the regional manager. Well, he's not here anymore, right? <laughs> no, he's long gone. <laughs> Well, and this philosophy of no block, no rock has carried over to uh, this current year, if you will. Um, you can argue about whether or not this is a, a good philosophy to have. Yeah, because everybody on Alabama's team needs to be able to go block, too. Not saying they aren't great blockers, because they can do that. But, right. I mean, come on now. If you have a great athlete and he can't block downfield, who cares? Give him the ball and let him run. And, yeah, I think... The whole no block, no rock mantra has great intentions behind it. I think that, you know, if you if you want to have a well-rounded receiving core on the field who is um, multiple threats, right? You got your receivers that can, that can go downfield. You got your receivers that can lay down a block whenever you have a swing pass. Oh yeah, another swing pass. We can get into the we can get into that <laughs> a little more. But I mean, like I, I just I think it's a good philosophy. Like, your intentions are good, but you get a guy like Cade Warner who doesn't really see the field that much, and whenever he does get the ball thrown to him, he drops it. He there was a few touchdowns there that we could have had. Ohio State, <laughs> Penn State, which literally went straight through his hands on the third. <laughs> Thank God we won that one. Uh, we. <laughs> I mean, maybe the Ohio State game is different. Maybe we only lose by uh, 28 instead of 35, right? <laughs> I think it's – Jared said, like, I mean, I think it's a good philosophy on paper, but then if you have all these athletes, like, you know, Alante Brown and Marcus Fleming, who isn't here anymore, but they don't want to block. Just give them the ball. Like, let them go. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, if you have a guy like <sighs> – we've been hearing a lot about him, but Omar Manning. Omar, where's he at? I, I'm where's looking. I, I – I don't see him, maybe because he's not blocking. Maybe he can't block, and it got into his head. If that man that's sculpted by Jesus Christ himself cannot block. Chiseled out of rock. Yeah, he's made of rock. I mean, he. we could be calling this Omar Manning podcast. It's, it's ironic. He's but made it, of rock. He doesn't get the rock because he doesn't block. <laughs> it's just the whole thing. But Oh, boys at my age. But just a, just a quick little... Uh, reasoning why we called it the no block no rock it's it's just shedding a little bit of light on this philosophy that um you know started off with troy walters and scott frost i think you know i, I never heard him say it when he was at ucf but it's here now and it's probably gonna stay we'll see for how much longer well okay so i think we can just kind of move on to our first first segment last thing first i think the kicker for for me and everyone with with guys like Emming is Northwestern was a really good defense and he was shredding them all game and then he played 
what, like two snaps the rest of the season? Yeah. Like, I don't understand, like, what the end game is. Hey, that Florabraska movement, I'm telling you, we're going to have a nice segment about that one because that is uh, <laughs> Florabraska and Calabraska and Alaska, and we're, we're recruiting well, all the Alaskas. And we are making. Maybe another episode. We are making fun of Florabraska, and, you know, I'm wearing my. Uh, my good old Calabrasca shirt underneath this sweatshirt. But, but if we're talking about Florabrasca, Calabrasca, talking about transfers. Talking about transfers. Talking about transfers. Which lead us into our first segment, transfers. So if we go through the list really quick, let's uh, let's start with the big dog, number one. Or do you want to start? No, let's start at the end. Let's start at the, the little guys move away at the top. I think the littlest guy that's transferring right now is Cade Warner. Cade Warner, team captain, Mr. Mustache. Mr. Mustache, holding the team together with the mustache. Yeah. Now, there is a couple things. I think this is kind of a black eye for the program because he is a team captain. Now, I do think the team captains are elected by the team. And, I mean, we have a losing team, and sometimes you elect losing captains. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I also think he was probably elected because he has a mustache, and he's a funny guy, and and he's the grocery bag man, Cade Warner's son. So, I he's, mean, he's Kurt the, Warner's son. He's the first one to show up, last to leave, junkyard dog. Uh, what other? Lunch pail boy. Lunch pail boy. Yeah. yeah. He did all that stuff. Yes. And that's great. And he was named captain. And so, like you said, it is like a black guy. The optics don't look that great. You know, he's Kurt Warner's son. Every time we get these, these uh, NFL bloodlines in our program – Never seems to really pan out. Yeah, you know I, we could we could point to many other ones too, and we we probably will. Yeah, we probably will. Um, <laughs> but Cade Warner, you know, that whole mantra, no block, no rock, right? It's he. Every time we try to get him the rock, couldn't do it. Couldn't make the plays when it counted. He's kind of the poster child, though, of the no block, no rock. He was a walk on that took, I mean, two yeah. three years to finally get a scholarship, just to be surpassed by all these guys that were way more talented. And then yeah. he never saw the field after he dropped a couple passes. Yeah. I have more in here anymore. Yep. <laughs> and guess what? He's not either. Yeah. And so I, I think I think the only thing that – because you're not losing a whole lot of on-field production. I mean, you're losing depth, I guess. The problem – like, the thing with Kate, I don't know if he's a – like, he, I don't know if he's a power five receiver. Like No. I mean, I, I mean, I think he could go to, like, the, the, the Mac and – and score a couple touchdowns. But I think uh, that's – his next destination has to be, like, the Mac or uh, – where did Kurt Warner go to college? Uh, <laughs> good old, good old uh, Ivy or uh, – <laughs> Yeah, grocery <laughs> bag man. Yeah, that's where he needs to go. He needs to go to his uh, his dad's alma mater because he is not a Power 5 receiver. Well, and we can now talk about whether or not Luke McCaffrey just announced today that he is also going to be transferring – and so the question is, he believes it. He believes he's a power five quarterback. Yeah. I would like to know what you guys think about that. Yeah. Um, maybe a power five running back or receiver or Taysom Hill switch, Swiss knife kind of guy. But no, he doesn't have the arm strength. He, pr- I mean, he proved it. We gave him an opportunity. And the guy, every time he dropped back to pass and two seconds later, he was taken off of the ball. I mean, it, it helped. I mean, he was he was a great runner, but Absolutely. you can't win football games doing that unless you're Navy or Army or and you have to run the ball with your quarterback every play. 
And we can't be successful with our quarterbacks running as much as they did like they did this year. Yeah, and if if you're going to continue running your quarterbacks like this, like, you know, Adrian, although I don't think he's run first, he does run a lot, and then that opens you up to injuries. And that's happened to Adrian a few times. But, yeah, this whole Luke McCaffrey, I, I'm glad that you believe in yourself, man. I really do. I just think that at Nebraska, at the in the Big Ten, in the Power Five, I, I would love for you to go somewhere and succeed as a starting quarterback. I personally, sitting in this living room here, um, no credibility at all, really. <laughs> I don't. I just don't see it. I'm sorry. I'm glad you believe in yourself. You get the cojones, work your ass off, do your thing. I just don't see it. Maybe I'm looking at this from the wrong angle, but I mean, I think Luke's a little selfish. Like he 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 refused to switch a position when he easily could have multiple times. They had they had no running back a majority of the year, and he would have easily been the best already. That's a great point. And and even at receiver, like he played it a little his freshman year, or you do like a, a reverse pass, it would have opened the playbook a little more too. I don't know if. I just, if he wants to play quarterback, then go ahead. But, I mean, I just feel like it was touch selfish of him to, like, say, I'm a quarterback. No discussion. But I think Scott was part of the problem, too. Scott said, no, Luke is a quarterback. Even last week. Of the future, yeah. Last week. Scott Thanks. Frost, that, that press conference. I mean, or whatever, his meeting with all the, the news outlets. press scrum, yeah. It just didn't. It doesn't make sense. Why do you do that? Why do you put your neck out there for a guy if you knew he was going to transfer? The smoke's been out there for weeks. We all know that he the, the writing was on the wall. Why do you do something like that? Scott said many things over these past three-plus years that just scrambles my eggs. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about oh, at the time. What did you just say? It, <laughs> it confuses me greatly. And the, you know what's sad is that you had Wandale transfer out. And it gets you thinking, like, okay, could Luke step into that role? Could he, when he steps on the field, teams got to account for him. They got a game plan for Luke McCaffrey. He is athletic as all get out, but he just wants to be a freaking quarterback. Hell or high water, but now he's leaving. You know, again, your your depth, I guess, is affected because he wants to be a quarterback. So, uh, I don't know. We'll just have to see. Hey, you know what? Northern Colorado's calling his name, and if he wants to play for his dad, more power to him, but he is not a oh, Power 5 quarterback. Well, I'm fairly certain he played for his dad in high school, so these things always go full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he sat behind his brother in high school, too. So, And his brother's in the transfer portal, so Dylan? Maybe, maybe Dylan and Luke can share playing quarterback at Northern Colorado together. <laughs> Luke, best, best wishes to you. Let's move on to... Mr. Farniak? Yeah, Will Farniak. I think, honestly, I think that's a bigger blow than Luke McCaffrey mm -hmm. because you're losing uh, lineman depth. He's a young guy. And, honestly, I, he probably was the best center um, on the roster from what I was reading. But Scott sticks to his guns. Better about, than Remington? No, on the roster. <laughs> the next Remington? Oh, you're talking Cam Jurgens. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I heard he was better than Cam Jurgens, But Cam Jurgens is, you know, that's, that's Scott's child. He's going to. Ride or die by Mr. Uh, Jurgens, no matter how many snaps go over Adrian's head. Whoa, oh, there was there was another one. Yep, yep. 
There's there's another safety waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, he has trouble with the snap. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I'll give Cam this, okay? Look, it's a problem. It's been here for two years. I'll give him this. After he got pulled against Iowa, the snaps improved a lot. I'll give him that. But yeah, and yeah. But the problem is, is well, we don't know if he can improve them over a full twelve, like a full twelve game season if they play it in the weird again. But. Yeah, and it was like the same thing last year when when Cam was starting. He the first five or six games, the snaps were left, right, up, down. You didn't know where the hell it was going to go, and then he improved as the year went along. Right. He did that this year, same thing. The first couple games, it was, where the heck's it going to go? And then he improved. But if you're going to keep giving up, uh, what, three or four potential games? I mean, you got to win these games. Your quarterback has to be comfortable back there. If he doesn't know where the hell the snap's going to be, the play is in the dumpster. It's done. The play's over. Mm-hmm. And your job as a center is one, you have one job. Snap the ball and go block somebody. And, I mean, and not to draw too much into Cam Jurgens, I'm sure there'll be right. plenty of discussions about him sure. moving forward. Um, Will Forniak, it's just a guy that, you I mean, your, his brother just played here for a billion years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he didn't want to stay and, 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 and be part of this program any longer. And, and Eric mentioned it earlier before, you know, off air, that, you know, his goodbye letter, he didn't even thank Coach Scott Frost. He, he thanks Coach Riley, and, and he didn't even mention Scott Frost by name or any of his position coaches by name. Right. Like, to me, I mean, I think he was a little salty. Sure. But, I mean, that's, how, that's what happens in, in programs when you know the guy in front of you might not be better than you. And that's why these transfer portal things are kicking up like they are. Sure. If, if you know the guy ahead of you can't do the most rudimentary thing, like give your quarterback a good snap, and you can't beat him out, either – Either you suck, right, or maybe Scott Frost is playing favorites with Mr. Jurgens, and he wants to prove to everyone that I moved this guy from tight end to, to center. I'm right. I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I don't care if I got to – if these snaps are all over the place. I don't care. I'm going to play him. I'm proving everyone wrong, and maybe Forniak transferred because of that. Guess we'll really never know. We'll never know, and I guarantee you, he's not going to end up on a Power Five school either. All these guys that leave end up somewhere small. Yeah. Well, that could lead us into somebody else who's actually really small, but a big part of this offense. And the the last guy we want to talk about is Wandale Robinson. What are your thoughts on Wandale leaving the program? You know, I see some people trying to twist this into some pretzel logic. You know, actually, Wandale leaving is actually not that much of a loss because here's the thing well and this is this might be your reasoning i don't know i think you're wrong but we'll see <laughs> a lot of people are saying that because he left there's not as much pressure on scott and lubick i guess to satisfy him and give him the ball as much it opens the offense up more and to that i say that's a bunch of bull hooey i don't think there's any way that you can look at a loss of Wandale Robinson as a positive thing. I just don't see it. Like, I said it last year, actually, after J.D. left. You know, maybe this is addition by subtraction because now teams aren't going to have to focus on one guy and the offense took a complete step backwards. Well, J.D. was talented. (laughs) Yeah. And 
and now I see him leave, and it's like, um, now who's gonna get the ball? Why? Why are our biggest playmakers? Yeah. Why are they leaving? What's up? Two years in a row, and yeah, and that and that question leads us into our next thing: Are the transfers on? Can you blame him on Frost, or is it just the the whole like college sports landscape just hurting? Well, yeah, and we'll get into that. I, th- I think Mike, he's been biting his little tongue oh, over here. He wants gosh. to get into this one. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, so, let's go. I'm on the other side here. All right. Like, here's a perfect example. If you look at the Cleveland Browns, let's look at the Cleveland Browns. You lost maybe a potential Hall of Fame receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, sure. just pure talent. The guy is talented. He needs his touches. Wandell had the ball so many times this year, was targeted more than most receivers were in the entire country, and he scored one time. He scored one time. I understand. He he is the one a very talented guy. You need to get that guy the ball. But when when a guy like that leaves, the I think the biggest thing is is he was the face of your program. That that hurts more than his talent on the field because he didn't really he wasn't productive. He he's a good talent, but if if he's leaving to get into a more catered offense to his skill set to get to the NFL, right. one, I don't think he's an NFL guy. Like I watched Tyree Hill play this weekend in the playoffs, and that guy Wandale is not that guy. He's an anomaly. Ty- Tyreek Hill's a, a freak of nature. Like, he's fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, Wandale's yeah, not one fast. He's not that fast. Right. I've seen Wandale get ran down by guys. He's just shifty, which is why everyone's all like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it, Mike, I, I see your point that he he wasn't really all that productive. But at the same time, when your running game up until the Rutgers game was pretty much non-existent, you have no running game threat, Um. Wandale is your only playmaker on the field. You got Levi Falk out there. You got Cade sometimes. You got your your tight ends, which they weren't terrible. Austin Allen had a, a pretty decent year, but when you're you only have one guy to account for, it's it's pretty tough to do your thing. And he had a couple plays where yeah, it wasn't that many, but they were like the most memorable plays of the year, busting through tackles. Um, the dude takes freaking lumps man he gets knocked out he, and he gets up every time i he's got heart i want him on the team i don't think a team like nebraska can afford to lose a guy like wandale robinson and i think it's just that whole thing where he wants an offense that's catered to him in the nfl and he goes to a team that somehow has a worse QB situation than Nebraska does, if that's possible. But <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, speaking of, you almost have to go and grab a portal guy, don't you, for QB, just for depth? Like, well, and if if you're a portal uh, quarterback, you're looking at Nebraska and you're thinking, am I going to be able to get in there? Well, you got a, a three-year starter in Adrian Martinez. He's going to end up as a five-year starter because of that. Like, yep. And But I will say this. This is this is one of the things I will give Frost credit for. After Adrian struggled against Northwestern, and you can say, you know, Northwestern's defense was pretty stout, and that, that proved itself over the course of the season. Frost showed that he's he can replace his quarterback if he's not doing well. And so if you're a transfer quarterback, do you look at that and say, okay, Adrian and I, we're going to compete. He might beat me out to start the year. But if you take into account, hey, Adrian struggles with completing passes accurately on a consistent basis. He's n- not a downhill or down-the-field threat to throw the ball. He turns the ball over maybe, what, three times a game, it seems like. 
If you're a transfer quarterback, <laughs> you might not beat them out at first, but these things over time seem to work themselves out. And so if you play well enough, can you take over? Well, and Adrian has proven over and over and over again that he is injury prone and he is going to miss a game or two. You can yeah. just write that down now. Adrian mm-hmm. will miss a game or two next season. We just we know it's going to happen. Sure. The way in this offense, the quarterbacks have to run the ball and they, they run that power quarterback power four, five, six, 20 times a game. And, and he's going to take those hits, and we know that his durability isn't great. And I heard in the Rutgers game that he was fighting injuries in that game too. Yeah. I mean, the guy, not saying he doesn't try hard and he plays through injuries. He does, but he, he does. will miss games. And this is an opportunity for a, a grad transfer or just a transfer portal guy in general to come in and, and maybe see the opportunity in front of them saying, hey, you know, I will get playing time. I can compete for probably not the starting job right away, but, right. you know, I think it's your job to lose when you know Adrian's going to go down. Did you have a an eye-opening stat about Adrian's um, oh, yeah. passing ability or lack thereof? Yeah, I, I read a crazy stat, and this is one of the reasons I think a guy like Wandell is probably leaving the program. It, it's just lack of quarterback play and talent and development. Um, Adrian was 6 of 20 of throwing balls uh, 20 yards or more down the field. You can't be a successful program and be successful in this type of offense when you can't get the ball down the field to your playmakers. Yeah. And up until the Rutgers game, your starting quarterback had three passing touchdowns on the year. That's that's not going to get it done. This Frost offense had four total passing touchdowns, and one of them was by Luke freaking McCaffrey. I don't – how is that even close to being acceptable? This is your bread and butter, this offense. Scott – on the sidelines, what are you doing? You're looking at your playbook the whole time. You got your nose on the freaking play sheet, and your quarterbacks have four touchdowns going into the final game of the year. Well, and the thing ah, is, is I don't get it. Is Scott's no fear of failure the the biggest guy and the biggest advocate for no fear of failure? He needs to look himself in the mirror. He is so scared to fail, and he has failed over and over and over again in these these first three years. Like. Where do you go from here to get this offense better? I think he's doing the right things. He's bringing in good guys. Uh, that sure. uh, Samare Torre, like that we'll kid. See. We'll, we'll see. see. I mean, we can't we can't say that's a lock. We said that, that about Omar. We said that about Omar. Hey, Omar's on campus though, so you know maybe uh, maybe he'll be. Uh, he's probably in a psychiatrist's office right now. We'll see. <laughs> I truly think that Frost, and given his history with you know in Nebraska, he. He really, like, he does want this to work, so he's outthinking himself so much, and then one thing leads to another, and then they can't score. Like, Yeah, okay, so this could be a nice little segue into our next thing, where we're talking about his his uh, announcement that he's going to stick with the same coaching staff. Right? <laughs> okay, now, there's going to be people out there saying, all right, this is, this is good because the thing that our program needs most right now is stability. We need the same coaches a couple years in a row so we can get some culture established. What do you guys think about that? Oh, get me started on this. All right. So when Scott looks you in the eye and says, hey, special teams needs to be better. We need to be better at special teams. It has cost us too many games in the last three years. Mm-hmm. He's 100% right. And, and the fact that we are still going to go this analyst route is absurd. 
I, I just don't understand how you can say that with a straight face, that special teams needs to get better, but you can't even have a guy coach on the field. Like, he's not there on the sidelines helping you be better at special teams. And I, I just – I understand I like the stability thing, but if you look at the quarterback room, they just – they haven't progressed. And and a guy, an easy guy that you could have thrown this on would be like a Mario Verduzco True. because Scott and Matt Lubick are, have both been quarterback coaches in their long history of, of coaching. Yeah. And – why? And Scott's going to take all this extra time with Adrian now. So why do you need a quarterback coach? If, you, if your head coach is going to be taking all this extra time with, with Adrian Martinez, why? Why do you need a quarterback's coach, a quarterback guru like Verdusco? He had his air quotes up when he said that. By the way. <laughs> um, I shouldn't compare Nebraska to Alabama for obvious reasons. but And this isn't trying right. to, uh, to compare, but... Alabama loses assistants, you know, yearly, like candy. Yeah. This season, Saban is replacing his literal entire staff because some of them went with Sark and some of them took head coaching jobs. Right. And they probably aren't going to skip a beat. So it's pretty much like who you hire. Like, yeah. Um, you know, a guy told me one time, and it's a pretty fair comparison, I think, that so far, Scott Frost is the pivot without the wins. You know, <laughs> I love that you said that, <laughs> because Scott Frost is Bo Pelini-esque when you think about it. If he is Bo Pelini without the expletives, without the <laughs> sideline antics, he is the personification of me against the world. He's got a nice little sheen to him. That's all. That's the only difference between these two, man. That That's just what I think. And we can probably talk about that a little bit more, too. Just sticking with special teams. We ask ourselves, since Rutledge left, he was the analyst he, that was here, and then he left, got fired. Do we hire, or should he have hired, an on-the-field special teams coach? Now, coming into this podcast, I just did a little bit of research on something. Okay. Now, I just want to ask you two, what coach comes to mind that was famous for special teams? There was a, there was a special kind of ball named after him. He left coaching a few years ago, never won a natty, but... Beamer ball? Beamer ball, okay? Right. Now, Frank Beamer is the first head coach that came to my mind thinking of special teams, right? And I just want to read this little article, some quotes that I found. The reason for Virginia Tech's success on special teams boils down to three factors, according to Beamer. The first is Beamer coaches the units himself. This allows for his assistants to focus on their areas. It also gives the players a real sense of the importance of the special teams if the head coach is overseeing them. Beamer said he used to have a hand in all three phases of the game, in addition to his off-the-field duties. As his coaching staff evolved over the years, he found it best to handle the special teams alone. Now, of course, like I said before, when you look at Scott Frost, what's he doing? He's got his nose in the play sheet. What message does that send to his players? That he really doesn't give a shit about defense. That's, that's Chin's job. And he's doing all right job. <laughs> and, yeah, he's doing fine. Does he really give a shit about special teams? No. Well, the one analyst you had was a dude who was coaching remote, didn't even have any on-the-field contact with his players. But I just want to keep going with this. The second factor is the special team's personnel. Rady, who is the player kind of that this article is about, 
is the rarity, a player who plays primarily on the units. Typically, the Hokie special teams are comprised mostly of starters from the offensive and defensive squads. Beamer said, I think the key to it is to get the best people on there that can do the job. But basically, when you're talking about special teams, you're talking about open field. You're talking about having to do things athletically. It takes good athletes to be able to do that. If you're trying to play third teamers, they, they may not be the best people to perform that function. Now, I look at special teams. I can't really name any significant players that are on special teams. You see a lot of down-the-depth chart walk-on guys. Levi Falk got that big block, uh, that big pump block, right? <laughs> you know, that's true. And, again, we can talk about one-time things. Or we can talk about anomalies. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often, okay? <laughs> now, the last thing I just want to say, I know this is kind of long, but finally, special teams practice is not an afterthought. Dedicating special team periods to the beginning or to the end of practice, Beamer feels, lessens their importance and tends to punish players. And just talking from my experience, whenever I had a basketball practice, the last segment of practice was always the one where you look forward to getting out of practice. If you're doing special teams last in practice, it's kind of telling your players that, all right, practice is wrapping up. You can kind of, you can kind of take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I'm sorry I went on that little rant about special teams, but I had that Beamer ball thing in my head, and I had to get it out. Well, and the Beamer ball thing is a great example because now I am advocating that I think we need a full-time special team guy, but I'm not eliminating the fact that it could be Scott Frost. Mm -hmm. Scott is now saying that Matt Lubick could be the, the, the play caller, and he was doing it a little bit at the end of the season. Last four games, yeah. So, it, it, and I think the offense actually looked better-ish in the last four games. Now, if Scott takes it over, I think that's a huge step forward. And I think I could look him in the eye and I would believe him when he's saying, yes, special teams needs to get better. If yeah, the head coach is going to take on that job and oversee it, I think that that tells your players, hey, like we need a change. And I think yep. that would be a, a great way to do it. But I also I think, think that so. Scott's still going to go after an analyst. So yeah. I, I don't know. And going back to what you two said about Chenander, about how like Scott doesn't care about defense and he's doing a great job, or and Chen is, is doing a yeah. great, great job with defense, and hey, it's improved every year. It um, has, yeah. Why do you think none of the kids on defense are transferring and it's all offense? Well, I mean... Ooh, that's a doozy to tackle. The, right the offense is the problem, though. It, the defense, they were on the field the whole time this season. And, I mean, the offense has not shown anybody anything that, that would give you an idea that this is going to be better. This is going to work. This offense, the Big Ten needs to prepare for us, uh, our system. Get out of here. Oof. Our offense is bad. It is bad. And the defense, on the flip side, they were, the defensive line was supposed to be our weak suit this year. And those good. guys stepped up. Those guys That's showed up, replaced two NFLers. No, three NFLers. Darian Daniels and the Davis twins, and they played better with without those guys. So I was really impressed with Casey Rogers. That guy, <laughs> Ty Robinson stepped up too. Yeah, yeah, those guys are good, and that defense is going to be, I think, honestly, really good next year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's not let's not take that to the bank because <laughs> we lose all of our money. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a a great question. I think you're seeing a lot of offensive guys leave because. 
maybe they you're recruiting these guys that are very fast. They outran a lot of people in high school. They envision themselves um, running a lot of deep routes, maybe. And maybe they suck at blocking. So maybe they're not getting on the field. So if you're Scott Frost, again, you look at your philosophy. You look at yourself in the mirror and say, why are my guys leaving? What can I do to change this? This whole no block, no rock thing, assuming that he is, he's all in on this philosophy, I think you got to relook it. Good intentions, it's not showing up on the field, on the scoreboard. You are, what, 11 and 20, 12 and 20? 12 and 20. 12 and 20. 12 and 20. So what you've been doing has not been working. So I think you just, you just got to relook at it, man. And I think you don't need to look very far. Look to your left. Look to your right. I mean, look at Wisconsin. Look at even, sad to say, Iowa. Look at look at Northwestern. Look at those teams. What are they doing that's successful? They're running the ball in between the tackles. Mm-hmm. They, they control the line of scrimmage. And they're not running another swing pass, another swing pass, another swing pass. Right. I mean, they are, they are beating you. They're punching you in the mouth. And they are, they are wearing you out throughout games and, and owning to time of possession. Another thing with this fast offense is that you don't leave your defense very much time on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. They are they were huffing and puffing all year long, and they showed up to to the, the occasion every up. time. I mean, not not every time, but it was just they they came to work and and they put in the work. I, I think that that's the separation between the defense and the offense. Is the defense? I mean, they held up their end of the bargain, and the offense they just spun their tires all year. And I think a common theme that you see with Nebraska football over the course of, we'll just say the past 15 years, okay? We could, we could go a little bit longer if you want to, but let's, let's, let's take it back to 15, okay? Turnovers. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Interceptions, fumbles. Fumbles. Well, if you want to talk about fumbles, over the past 15 years, Nebraska is third in lost fumbles. Now, who's first and second, you might ask? First was Army. Second was Georgia Tech. Oh, so you're talking about teams that pitch the ball on a regular basis are one and two, and then there's Nebraska. Teams that ran option-based offenses. They're continually pitching the ball behind themselves. Uh, You're talking about ever since... And we're supposed to be that that West Coast offense team, you know. Go back 15 years ago, we're the we're bringing the West Coast offense to Lincoln. Two completely different offenses, West Coast versus the option and the spread. And what do you know? We turn the ball over just as much as these option-based offenses go. Do you think that the program is staying? Like, what is in the walls of Memorial Stadium that that causes our guys? To lose the ball because it doesn't matter who's coaching, who's matter. playing quarterback, who's playing running back. It does not matter. These guys just have a problem with holding on to the football. Yep. And I don't know what it is. We have some sort of fog over our university where we continue and continue and continue to lose the ball, whether it be throwing it to the other team or, like usual, we fumble the ball. And if it was Polini, if it was Riley, if it was Callahan, Callahan. now it's Scott Frost, and the guys are still fumbling the ball. How do you improve that? 
How? I mean, there, there's your first step in making the offense better is stop giving the team the, the ball. Just stop th- giving them the ball. <laughs> it's pretty basic, right? Yeah, simple. Simple. Protect this ball. Like, that's all you have to do. That, that was, like, the basics of football. Like, when I played in P- mini peewee football, it was like, all right, you see this ball? <laughs> yeah. Don't give it to the other team. <laughs> Holy cow. If you don't give it to the other team, imagine how much more you could do. During those 15 years, when we won the turnover margin, we were 57 and 5. That is insane. When in 15 years, oh, we won the turnover margin 62 times. That's it. That's it. That's it. And when it was even, 15 times 12 is 180. That's really bad. <laughs> Listen, Eric, we are not pumping sunshine at all. When they were even in the turnover margin, they were 26 and 11. Okay. That's. Listen, we have no right to look at 26 and 11 and go. That's trash. That sucks. No, we don't. 26 and 11. Listen, right now, I'm taking that all day, every day. Yeah, go cash. Now, take that to the bank. I'll I'll take that to the bank right now. Shoot, I'll take six of six of the bank, too. (laughs) Well, look, if you're you're talking about changing philosophy, again, that goes back to Scott looking in the mirror and going, okay, I said said these things when I started. I said the Big Ten is going to adjust to us, right? If you change your philosophy, you're kind of gonna you're gonna look like a jackass if you do so, right? But, but don't you look like a jackass if you're not fulfilling the things that you were saying? And don't you think Absolutely. what Scott's saying those things that put a big target on oh, all yeah. of our backs? Yep. I mean, that's fans, that's coaches, and that's especially players. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys have a giant target on their back from the things that that Scott said when he became the head coach of Nebraska, which I get like. I understand the swagger. I mean, we hired the AP Coach of the Year. I mean, he won a self-proclaimed national championship with UCF. Yeah. I mean, I have zero doubt in my mind that every Big Ten coach like her, they heard that and they're like, "All right, well, all right, I guess we'll see." Yeah, Just, yeah, well, wait. yeah, okay, Scott. All right, mm-hmm. but I, I'm with you. When Scott was hired, I was all in. I was, yep. I wasn't even for a second denying that this was the right move we we did make the right move okay for coming on four years down the line not seeing any improvement on the offensive side which is his bread and butter still turning the ball over like crazy which goes back to what what's in the water what's the culture are you changing the culture so speaking of like staff changes can we fire the cafeteria ladies that are feeding these players because Go it's got to be – I mean, we got to see if, like, old Shirley that's worked there for 30 years, what is she putting what is she in there? What is she in there, bro? What is she putting in the food? Because these guys, they get butterfingers. Quit giving them butterfingers. Let's give them something more sticky. Come on. Frost, you got to look at the cafeteria ladies, man. Listen, we're the only podcast that would ever say that. So, that's true. listen, we have different takes, I guess. Have your premium content here. <laughs> Staying on the defensive side, all okay. our returning seniors. That yeah. good for them? Good for the team? Or should they have taken the next step? See, that's kind of I'm one of those things. It's like if you're like a guy like Miles Mar- Farmer, or some of those young guys like uh, Quentin Newsom, or well, you can go. You can say Braxton Clark too. Yeah, Braxton Clark. Clark yeah, yeah that Braxton and Clark. Like, I, I think those guys. It's either going to do two things. It's either going to be like, hey, we're not going to see him for another year. Right. Or it's gonna they're gonna kick it another gear and they're gonna they're gonna compete. 
Yeah. I will say that in a small sample, I was really impressed with the Farmer and Quentin. They both look pretty good, but I mean, I think it's good for them. Like, I don't think Stilly's an NFL player. I think JoJo, I think we get a tryout. Yeah, I think I think and JoJo will. I yeah. think and those right. two safeties, it's hard to tell if they're NFL players or not. Well, I think I think JoJo, he kind of he's kind of like a Nate Gary type of guy. Yeah. I think I think he could find a role in like a, some sort of like nickel. Yeah. Nickel type safety rove guy, around. rove yeah. around. You know, I mean, he's not fast enough to play linebacker yeah. or really safety, but he's one of those like Swiss guys that could that can really come in and, and be like a run stopper or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he makes plays, man. I mean, he doesn't he he doesn't have lead foot like we've seen a lot of our linebackers have. <laughs> he he sees ball, he gets ball. Um, I think I think uh, I don't know if he'll be drafted, but I think he'll be like a. Like a Divino Zigbo, like he's gonna find his way on an NFL roster. Um, might not play a whole lot, I don't know, but I think he's he's for, good enough to make an NFL roster for sure. Yeah, be like a Will Compton type of guy. Yeah, sure. Like, Compton's yeah. hung around this whole time. So good for him, but yeah, absolutely. And it makes you think. All these defensive guys coming back, like we're hearing a lot about culture. Culture stinks. Guys are leaving. Everyone on defense is staying. So it does it make you think? Okay, is Chins doing something that's like? Maybe Scott can learn from. I don't know. I I think uh, if you want to start looking around, maybe just ask. Maybe ask your defense. <laughs> what do you like about this program that you're sticking around to play your seventh senior year, or Ben Stilley? Or Espe- yeah, you're like 26 now, dude. <laughs> Espe- I mean, <laughs> especially a guy like Cam Taylor Britt. Like he, yeah. I think if he left, he's an easy like fourth fifth round pick with the mm-hmm. season he had, and he decides to come back to a sure. team he's experienced nothing but losing on like. Why did he decide to come back? I think he came back because he could. He has the talent that he could be like a a, a higher round pick. Yeah. And I think I think there's a lot of unfinished business with that defense. They, I from what I read, that defense was they wanted to play that in a bowl game, mm-hmm. which did we deserve to play in a bowl game? Absolutely no. not. No. But, but for like a developmental thing, like yeah, those guys need those reps. And the fact that the defense wanted to play and the offense didn't want to play. That doesn't surprise me because if you look at their production, the offense spun their tires all year, and the defense, they came to work every single game. You know what sucks? Like, you have your best offensive performance of the year against Rutgers. It's Rutgers. I get it. But you pounded the ball down their freaking throats, man. You had, like, it makes you think as a fan, like, okay, could this are – we, are we possibly seeing – an identity? Like, the, are we seeing it? Are we seeing it before our eyes? For the f- first time in three years, they found something that works, and they kept doing it. It, it was, was rolling. It was weird. And now, the, you have the opportunity to play a bowl game. Yeah, it's. I don't even remember what the what the name of the bowl game was, but the, the Hostess Potato Cake Bowl. <laughs> Hostess. <laughs> the Ho Ho Bowl. I don't a little know. Debbie Lawnmower <laughs> Bowl or something like that. I don't know. You <laughs> had you had a chance to carry that momentum. You don't have as many practices in between. You're feeling yourself. Let's go. Let's let's r- literally run with this thing. But no, from from all intents and purposes that we heard, it was the offense that didn't want to play. And it's like uh, but you but you did so well that last game and could could you carry this over? But no. 
But it makes me think, I mean, that's why some of these guys are leaving the program. I bet those – and Scott wanted a thing where it's like everybody's in or everybody's out. That's that's how he made that decision. Do you think that if they – do you think if they went like 4-4 four and four or 5-3, and three, they accept the bowl, bowl game? 100%. Absolutely. Yes, but the mentality and the culture and the, the team would have been way better to do that. True. I mean, you don't <laughs> get blown out and embarrassed by Illinois. You, you don't show up to a Minnesota game – who has the worst rush defense in the country and decide that you're going to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game. Like that is absurd. That's a perfect example of Scott overlooking the, the, the piece that's in front of him and just saying, Hey, Oh, teams had success doing this. Right. Let's try it too. And I think we, we have an identity in the walls of Memorial stadium of being a good running team and having that Nebraska pipeline and, and just controlling lines of scrimmage. Like, what is the problem with tweaking your offense and catering to those type of things? I feel like Scott, and it's kind of like Eric touched on this a little bit, he's like anti-Occam's razor. Instead of the simplest answer is the right one. It's always doing these dipsy does and freaking running circles around yourself, trying to prove everyone right, or trying to prove everyone wrong, trying to prove yourself right. And in the end, you're 12 and 20. And so, hey... Look yourself in the mirror, man. <laughs> Us three sitting here want nothing more than for Scott Frost to be our coach for the next 30 years. Be our Bobby Bowden. Yep. Be our, be our Joe Paterno. Minus the showers. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he be, said it, I didn't. <laughs> I, and I set that one up. <laughs> but we want, we want that T.O., okay? We... Believe it or not, we're not just haters. We want nothing more than for you to retire a Husker and not have to resign after another losing season that we're, we're probably going to have next year. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Please don't take this podcast as us like hating on the program. It's <laughs> like supposed to be like far from that. No, this is if look if Frost can turn it around, it would solve pretty much every problem that the athletic department has. But that's well, another conversation. Well, the thing is, is and, and the point of this podcast is we are realistic Husker fans, which they don't exist. If you listen to talk radio and listen to the, some of these guys that call in on the radio, like they don't exist. Right. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. They, they just stop calling lock time listener. Yes, every time. But first stop lock time. They, they don't exist. And, and, some of the words need to be said, and, and and some people need to light the fire under a guy like Scott Frost and and, and a, an offense that Scott Frost is running and, and all that stuff in between. It, it's just you, you need those real fans. You need those people who don't think we're going to win the Natty and, and uh, we're going to take the Yankees to the Super Bowl. Like, it's just not going to happen. No, we're just the guys to do it to. <laughs> we, listen, we're like not, even... not going to win a national championship ever again. Okay, we're just not. But Big Ten West? Hey, there's we can a, do it. Come on, no man. Re, if we can you, do it. If you look around the West, no team has more money or support or facilities than, than Nebraska does. Some of them are on the same level, but no one has it better. There's a disconnect somewhere between the games and the practice field. We haven't had a lot of problems under Frost except the games. But all the games, yeah, right. Yeah, no, the practices are the best practice we've ever had. Every week is the best practice. 
And so the, the worst part was is that we had the best practice ever when we got blown out by Minnesota. Oh, we did, yeah. Yeah, the best practice he's ever had as a head coach. So that's another situation. Look yourself in the mirror. What do you see in practice? Oh, what do you see in practice that you think Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez are both starting quarterbacks? Like, yeah, what's your future quarterback? Guys, what playing, do you see? guys playing against their own talent instead of other teams? Yeah. I just don't know. He's been in good locker rooms. He's been under so many good coaches. Yeah. I mean, Bill Walsh, Tom Osborne, Chip Kelly, Bill Belichick. You think he, this whole coaching tree thing, they talk about it a lot. Mike Tomlin even, you, Tomlin and him were together on the Bucks. I think. I think Tomlin was an assistant, though, and he, he was a player. But Yeah, he was under Mike Tomlin as well. Well, guys, look, this is going to be, the, this is the first of hopefully many podcasts of No Block, No Rock podcast. Um, I guess we'll, this will be our sign-off. This is uh, Jared Hall. This is Mike Delaware. Eric Morrow. And please subscribe and, and give us feedback. We want, we want to hear feedback. We want to learn how Absolutely. we can be better and how we can cater to more of an audience that also maybe has realistic expectations. And, uh, yeah, just, just send us your thoughts. Help us look in the mirror. Yeah, help us like do what... Like some other guys probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> help us do what Scott can do. <laughs> NBNR, signing off.